Hello, my name is Reverend Casey Carbone, and you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church at Mayopac. We are currently worshiping on Sundays at 10 a.m., both on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. We hope that this message provides you with a source of encouragement and allows you to grow more deeply in your faith as we all continue to seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that on this day as we gather together, that your spirit dwell among us, that it may illumine our hearts and our minds as we attempt to do our very best to follow in the footsteps of your Son, Jesus Christ, who modeled for us the ways of love and life. And so we ask as we lift up the meditations of our hearts and our minds and the meditations of our spoken word, that they may help to set us on that path, that life-given path that comes from you. We ask this in your most holy name we pray. Amen. Over the past few weeks, I guess I should preface this in saying I'm I'm a history person, so I enjoy uh, history. So I should start off by saying that so this doesn't seem completely out of context. (laughs) But over the past few weeks, I've been catching up on a series about the history of tanks. What I found fascinating was throughout their history, uh, what I found fascinating was how various governments use them as a means to project a type of image. And you can imagine what type of image that is. It was fascinating to hear about how during World War I, not World War II, World War I, Great Britain touted the tank as this conflict or world war ending machine, even though it failed miserably during its first use in battle. 
Later on, we find how countries like the Soviet Union during the Cold War mobilized tank drivers by telling them that the Warsaw Pact was under threat from NATO forces, even though oftentimes this was just to get a tighter grip on countries under their sphere of influence. The image or the perception we cast has a tremendous impact on how we view the world around us. Maybe that's the first time you're hearing that, but it's a pretty safe observation, I would say. And if we aren't careful, we may find that our lack of understanding has dire consequences, or at least leads to dire consequences. That's part of the warning we find Jesus telling us this morning as he compares a generation to children who play in the marketplace. We should be clear in noting, though, that Jesus isn't saying play is wrong. The imagery that Jesus evokes serves as a way for Jesus to say that we are so preoccupied with what's going on in front of us, we can't even see the truth that is right in front of us. Those who surrounded Jesus could only see the superficial, the exterior elements of what it meant to be the prophet or to be the son of man, the son of God. But they didn't know who the real Jesus was. Or did they know who the real Jesus was? Do we know? And again, people have asked this question. This question to Jesus of, are you the one to come or are we to wait for another? Now, of course, we can talk about a lot of different things. We can talk about perception at a more systematic or a more larger scale level. Like in the documentary I was just telling you about that I was watching, how it is easy to see the characterization of others created in order to instill a sense of fear or irrational distrust. But what about at a personal level? Have there ever been times where you felt misunderstood? Unfortunately, I would bet that many of us have experienced this kind of misunderstanding at one point or another in our lives. It's easy for us as human beings, especially nowadays more than ever, it's easy to generalize and form opinions based on minimal information. We hope that people would get to know us for who we are, yet it is disheartening when they buy into a distorted perception. To know someone, to spend time with them and peel back any misgivings or falsehoods. That's what it takes to get to know someone, is to spend time with them in order to peel that veil away. In exercising this form of wisdom, we train our hearts we train our hearts to see past the things that cloud our vision, our understanding of others, of God, and our understanding of ourselves. Now, you see, we should un also understand that wisdom and teaching are critical parts of the Gospel of Matthew. 
Jesus teaches the disciples, right? Jesus gathers them and teaches them and then sends them out into the world to teach others. But in order to instruct others, the disciples, like ourselves, need to understand. And the teachings Jesus provides uh, facilitates wisdom and truth to reveal who Jesus is and what role he plays in our lives. Wisdom is much more about knowledge. Wisdom is a life-giving gift. It is something that shows us the right path. It's a little more complex, of course, if I'm being honest, because we have to be receptive to that teaching of wisdom in the first place. In our pursuit of wisdom and knowledge, we not only better understand ourselves, but our neighbors and God as well in the process. Following in the life-giving wisdom that comes from God, we can separate the wheat from the chaff, as the saying goes, and we can separate the falsehoods and stereotypes from the truth, the understanding of others. I'm inspired by what the writer of Ecclesiastes says when I say this, but there is a time to play, and there is a time for us to learn and to seek wisdom. Throughout Scripture, we find that foolishness is often associated with playfulness. So when Jesus compares people to children playing in the marketplace, he is highlighting their failure to understand, having been so involved in what they were doing. Wisdom is something that needs to be sought out. It is something that cannot be passively obtained, though in seminary I admit that I wish that, uh, I, wish that I could absorb the knowledge by just having the book underneath my pillow, but I, I'll say I tried, but it didn't work out. And we should also notice that wisdom is not associated with age. Jesus' prayer makes it clear that the hidden things have even been revealed to little children. It's something that everyone has access to. The wisdom is there waiting for us to discover it. What's left is a need to be eager to find it, to make it something that we can hold on to. There needs to be a continuing unfolding of revelation which challenges us to see past our comfort zone. There is a time to play, but there is also a time to get to the work of understanding and wisdom seeking. The hope of Christ exists in both the extraordinary and the mundane parts of life. As we go about this work of being disciples, as we go about this work of trying to become wiser, Jesus is there to offer us rest. But there's a catch to the rest that Jesus is offering us. Of course, it's, it's still a free gift. It's a free gift. But it also involves a little something, a little effort on our part. It's a rest that involves instruction and teaching. 
as the rabbinic traditions of Jesus' time would have understood what Jesus meant when they talked about our yoke. There is rest that we can find in Christ, yet it requires that we place a certain amount of trust in honing of our skills of self-reflection and understanding of one another, we lean into the gentle instruction Jesus provides. It is in these gentle teachings of Jesus where we ultimately find our rest. Jesus is a guide who isn't harsh or arrogant, one who beats us over the head with a book, Jesus is there to help guide us on the path with words that are encouraging and words that are convicting. So as we continue to pull back the veil that has clouded our vision, we will discover that our introspective work will have paid off. So may we hone our ability to look inward, friends, to look inward and find wisdom. May we go placing into Christ's arms our heavy burdens so that his teachings lead us to a place of rest. Truth. Truth is the beginning of wisdom. And to discover truth takes work on our part, separating out the many voices that we hear. And the more we are open to discovering new truths about God, ourselves, and others in a way that is relational, we will find that we are on the path that leads us to live fruitful lives. To live in a way in which we honor God and honor one another and honor ourselves. Knowing that the more we go out into the world seeking to understand and find wisdom, we are living into the path that God has set out before us. So may we go out being seekers of wisdom, being people who hope and desire to live fruitful lives as we build relationships that come out of that wisdom seeking. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.